there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, guys. It's Vlad Harris here on another Panther Ants podcast. Um, happy, happy Monday, obviously. Today was a day from hell, but it is what it is. I'm still in the process of doing my ACC preview, and hopefully I should have that by probably the next recording I do, next show I do here, is I'll get my, uh, you know, my predictions and whatnot. Today I'll talk, today I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of things. Well, first of all, we'll talk about Pitt and uh, the season upon us. You know, it's it's funny. I, I looked at all these some of these previews for Pitt, and you know, I you know I love college football news. Great site. You know, I've always gone to them for previews because I always have it broken down. But they don't really think highly of Pitt this year, and they got them at pretty much five and a half wins. This is the, this is the slate. Five and a half wins. I saw another uh, site. Well, actually, it wasn't really a site. It was more of a blog. They have pitted two wins for the season. And what gets me is... Obviously, I don't think too high of us. And college football news, for one thing. They have coaches on the hot seat. You know, number one's Larry Fedora, obviously, because the season had this past year. But that Pat Narduzzi on the hot seat as well. And my thing is, he just signed an extension, so I don't think that necessitates him being on the hot seat. Really at all. I mean, pretty much he'd have to really he'd have to really F it up this year to to be on the hot seat. So I think he's safe this season, regardless. Let's hope he doesn't F it up and let's hope we have a decent season. You know, I mean, I looked at the schedule myself and I don't know, I don't see five and a half wins or two wins. I see a lot more than that. On paper, if you look at the schedule, it really isn't that bad. I mean, I think they're capable of winning more games. Obviously more than five and a half. I think they can win nine or ten games. On paper, that is. But, in reality, they may just win seven or eight. That's how I feel. Because, you know, there's been some instances where I've had them winning a lot more games. And, of course... They tank it, of course. You know, in some seasons, if they would have had, you know, all the, you know, one, one piece of the puzzle, they, they probably would have won more games. I mean, obviously, the, uh, they, you know, the last eight win season they have with Connor as a senior, 
they could have won more games. The uh, Paul Chris's final year, when they uh, went six and six, obviously or six and seven, if you include that garbage bowl game, they had a pretty potent offensive attack. They just couldn't play defense. And I know I like to blame Matt House, but I think pretty much it was a combination of both coaching and talent. Players just weren't really that good. Weren't really that good. And of course, the coach pretty much had them stationary for the most part, and not much else. You know, once Aaron Donald was gone, that was about it for the defense. We were screwed. I mean, we were screwed with Aaron Donald. I mean, he he minimized a lot of things, but still, we were we just we weren't we weren't just as screwed. But uh, you know, I looked at the schedule here for Pitt, and I look at the players coming back, and obviously, in our do a lot of people are we'll get our doozy here in a minute. In a minute, but a lot of people are talking highly of Kenny Pickett. They obviously love this guy. And what's there not to love? I mean, he's uh, everybody's saying how about how how, you know, how really good he is. I mean, especially how much of a leader he is. The guy wants to win football games, and it's good. I mean, we really haven't had him. I don't know a quarterback in forever. I mean, there was Tino, Tom Savage. And, um, you know, Wojtek, who, you know, really, really wasn't that good at all. I mean, Paul Christ had to do a few things for him. Nate Peterman, he came on towards the end of his career. And he looks good, actually, in the NFL right now. I mean, he, after that six interception in the game he had, or five interception, whatever. He looked good in preseason. And Tom Savage looked good in camp as well, but... He always looks good in camp. But Savage is auditioning for a backup role or a third string. So I think uh, not much looking to it there. There was Bill Stahl. And Bill Stahl wasn't a bad quarterback. It just what you see is what you got with him. I mean, there was always arguments on message boards over Bill Stahl. And, of course, Matt Cavanaugh, how, how, how good he was or whatnot. You know, and especially the play calling. But I, th- I think, in reality, if... You know, a good quarterback can make any offensive coordinator look really good. And, uh, you know... The play call got a little better with Signetti, you know, when he when he came in. But of course, we had you know by that time Bill Stahl was a senior, and of course we we get down to Tino, and we're stuck running doing a lot of short passes, and because obviously Tino is limited on what he can do. But um, you know you had Bill, you had you had Bill Stahl, but of course you had Tyler Palco, 
And Tyler, obviously, he, you know, he was all right. I mean, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the, um, obviously, he, he had one really good year with Walt Harris. His senior wasn't bad as well. He had a good senior year. It just, you know, he had, the offensive line sucked, and, of course, the defense wasn't good. You know, they couldn't finish, so... Tyler's career, you can say, was pretty much overshadowed by two really bad, you know, two pretty much two mediocre teams. Although they should have won more games in uh, 2005, they were they were capable of it. But we were hard, we were so hard pressed of running doing power football that that was it. Rod Rutherford was a good QB as well. You know, but I think, you know, we watch a lot of the film with, uh, with Rod and Tyler. And, you know, I watch, we watch a lot of the games. And, you know, I can say, you know, I think, I think if anything, Tyler was probably a better quarterback. Rod wasn't bad. It's just, there was a lot, I mean, if you watch some of the games, there was a lot of, there was a lot of easy throws that Rod missed. I mean, he put up some big stats with Larry, but I think he—I think he could have done a lot more. In other words, I think he—I think he could have put up a lot more bigger stats than what he had, because there was there was there was some, you know, he wasn't perfect, obviously. But I mean, I just think you know, look looking back, he was there was a lot of things he was more capable of. Just, yeah, we, I mean, <clears throat> so it's going to be interesting to see how Kenny Pickett pans out because he had, he had, like a lot of, like a lot of pick quarterbacks, he has a lot of hype coming into this season after, you know, for some of the things we saw. And, you know, Pat Doozy said himself that he, you know, there's obviously some concepts and things he's changing around, stuff that needed to be done years ago, especially on defense. And and we obviously are gonna say, duh, yeah, you should have did this. But let's take into, let's take an account that you know Narduzzi's an, an, an assistant who became a head coach. So obviously, with some assistants, there's obviously still a learning curve there with them. And sometimes you may luck out. When you hire an assistant, they may get it right away. Or some assistants, they took it. They took over, they take over programs that already have, that already have the talent there, and they win a bunch of games. And of course, when once those once those players gone and they have their own recruits to play, things fall apart. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can say with. Narduzzi, obviously, he's still learning, and obviously, you hope he finally gets a lot, lot of this stuff, and hope, uh, you know, because I mean, with Paul Chris, you could tell obviously he was the, he was an assistant trying to become a head coach because there was a lot. I mean, 
a lot of stuff with Paul Chris that annoyed the hell out of me was it seemed like they were more reactive than proactive. Like they had to wait till they had to wait till uh, things really blew up for them to actually make an adjustment. Whereas you know, actually, some coaches are proactive and they look at film and because the guy obviously was a film geek, he loved looking at film. He loved, I mean, and he looked at film so much that he couldn't make these changes, couldn't make these adjustments. It was like it had to be a really, you know, really big issue, really big problem, or or for his quarterback to get the to be spitting up blood from to actually do something. Yeah, that's just how I felt about him. It just felt like with, with 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 Paul Christ, it just seemed like they were just a lot more disorganized. And I'm sure he's you know that was a big learning experience for him because he got to go to Wisconsin. I'm sure Barry Alvarez probably helped him helped him a lot there. He had more of a mental you know Barry. Barry's the AD, but I'm sure Barry was more has been more of a mentor to him. If anything else, but I mean, if you look at the schedule here, I mean, look if you look at the first three games. They're, they're at home in their first three games. They're, they got Albany, Penn State, and then they got Georgia Tech. So if you look at if you look at that slate of three games, pick a go probably probably realistically realistically they'll go two and one. They could go three and zero. I mean, obviously they have to play as Trace McSorley at Penn State, and but Trace doesn't have Saquon Barkley anymore, and I'm not sure how his receiving core is going to be. I mean, McSorley tends to like to throw the football up and hope guys catch it, and he had and he had receivers that could do that. Georgia Tech obviously is going to be a tough game because Georgia Tech can run the ball like hell against us, or not just against us, anybody, and they got plenty of guys coming back. They've struggled in recent years, but they're still a competitive team. I think they'll, they'll they'll break out of their slump this year. Plus, they're a returning quarterback. But and all they really all, all they really expected the quarterback is to run the offense, run the ball, and, and complete that pass. So that's like there you you got at least I'm gonna say two and one. So the next three games after that, they get they they travel to Chapel Hill, they travel to Central Florida, and then they're home against Syracuse. Now they have a hard time against North Carolina, obviously. North Carolina is a royal pain in the ass. It doesn't matter how bad North Carolina is. Pitt just can't beat them for whatever reason. Don't ask me why. But they need to travel to Central Florida. And Central Florida, as you know, ran the table last year. And they're still trying to claim a national championship. Which, you know, I totally understand that. By any means. But they have a new coach this year. And... I'm not sure how they're gonna how they're gonna fare, you know, under new leadership and you know how that works out. But then, of course, you know, Pitt obviously will be at home against Syracuse, and you know, Syracuse is obviously beatable. They're always going to be beatable. They should have beat them last year, but of course, Pitt's quarterback situation sucked, and of course, we went through three quarterbacks in that game. Max Brown obviously had a rhythm going. And what happens? He gets hurt. We're stuck with uh, 
Ben DiNucci and of course uh, he struggled and then finally we finally came pick against the play in the front the final snap of the game so right there if you look at that slate obviously you're going to think well they could go um, one and two because you know they have a hard time but I think this time around they're going to they're going to do the hex of um, North Carolina I think this time around they take care of business because this time around they have a quarterback. Same against Syracuse. They could be such a Florida, but let's um let's not get too ahead of ourselves and let's uh, say they go two and one with that slate as well. So you're looking at your first sixty-six games are going to be four and two. But then here's where it gets uh, the next three games get a little interesting. Notre Dame, they got they go at Notre Dame, they got Duke at home, and they go at Virginia. That's a, that's an obvious two and one right there because well for one thing, Notre Dame was always going to be Notre Dame. And um, Pitt beat Duke last year with a with a lack of a passing game and. Pretty much ran all over them, and I think I, you know Duke supposedly has a lot of hype coming in this year that they're going to be back. They may be a dark horse candidate. I don't see it, so I think um, Pitt takes that one. Pitt's probably going to take up Virginia as well. So there you go, Pitt. Uh, there you go, six and three right there. So your final three games, you're at home against Virginia Tech, and, and then but then the bitch of it is. You gotta you got wake in Miami. You gotta go at wake in that Miami your your final two weeks. Wake's a winnable game. Although they uh you know they came on last year out of nowhere. Miami it's hard to say. I like um I think Pitt beats them again this year. But um, usually Miami beats us no matter how bad we how how bad they are. But they're practically you know the record they came the record they came in with uh, last year and Pitt dominating them. I think maybe they'll respect Pitt a little, little bit more because I don't think they respected Pitt. But obviously the elephant in the room is also Virginia Tech. Pitt could have won that game last year as well, and at least went to overtime with them and. The uh, coach took the ball out of his hands, which obviously pissed a lot of us off. So at six and three, as I have pit right now, they could easily drop these next three games and go six and six. But I think um, they're going to take two out of three as well, and we're we're looking at a nice little eight, modest little eight and four season again. And I and you know that's what I'm going with. I'm going with eight and four. I think they're gonna take care of Tech again, and they'll beat Wake, but they'll lose to Miami this time. 
scenario, eight and four. I could be wrong. They may win more than that. They could win less than that. So for me, my over-under is eight is eight wins for Pitt. Obviously, if it's less than eight, it's, you know, season's obviously a disaster. But, uh, you know, anything's possible. They could win more. We shall see. Now we finished that up. Let's go to some uh, more fun stuff here from over the weekend. Obviously, Antonio Brown has been taking a lot of heat because he, um, well, he he was slated to show up at Children's Hospital at one o'clock for a, um, I guess, autograph session and spend time with the kids and all that stuff. And he didn't show up till almost past five o'clock, maybe five thirty, was it? He kept getting backed up. People obviously had an issue with this, and you know, I, I totally get it. I really do. But I don't know what his personal schedule is. I know he's a very he's a he's a superstar, and he's obviously he's got a lot going on. I'm curious why he was late four hours as well. Why he got pushed back, and and if so, if he was pushed back. Did he have any type of communication with Children's Hospital or, or the people to let him let them know, hey, he's being delayed. We're not sure when he's going to be here, so let you know he's delayed right now. I'm wondering if any of that type of communication went down, you know, from his age or publicist or whatever. You know, obviously, I'm not sure what got, you know, what made him get pushed back. What I do know is. People, I guess, generally hate this group of Steelers. They don't like Levy and Bell for for whatever reason. Well, they hate. Well, for one thing, he he wants more money, and I guess, he, of course, he acts a certain way about it. Tony Brown obviously is a showboat, according to a lot of people. So, and supposedly, he has a habit. He has a habit of doing this type of stuff, being late to things, and. Obviously, they hate the coach because the coach allows it, and you know, people obviously don't like this group of Steelers. That's it is what it is. I mean, and and look, I, I mean, you know, I can, I get a lot of it. The old mentality with Steeler with the Steelers way was was blue collared, keep your mouth shut, prove your worth on the field, do your job. Work hard, work extra, show up on time, never be late, leave on time, or stay extra, work overtime, do it the blue collar way. Yeah, that's how it's always been. I mean, not just for the steerway, but the Pittsburgh I mean the Pittsburgh way has always been like that. I mean, I hate being I mean, I hate being late to work. You know, when you we, we live with somebody and of course you got kids and you gotta get them all ready and you hate you hate running late. It sucks. And there's times where I wish I could work extra, you know, and stay extra, and I can't because I have to get my kids. But that's just part of you know part of being a parent. So you just have to pick up. You have to, you have to, you know work hard the next day, or 
try to do, you know, try to come in on the weekends, things like that. I mean, and that's the, I mean, that's the point people are driving home is, yeah, it doesn't matter what he did, you know, all the stuff he did. He was, the fact of the matter is he was late. And here's the thing. It's, it's just the mentalities are different. I think really in, in, in general, the mentality is just a lot different now. It used to be at your job. I'm sure you guys have dealt with this. It used to be, you show up on time. You're never late ever. And if you are, you stay there, you, you make up the time. Now it's, it doesn't matter if you're, if, now, now these days it doesn't matter if you're late or not. As long as you put, or what time, you, it, it, it doesn't even matter what time you come in. It's, as long as you put in your eight hours, you put in your time, that's it. I mean, that's how it is to, in today's world. It doesn't matter what, what time you clock in, as long as you're, as long as you put your time in and you're getting, getting your job done. And this, and this is pretty much what I can see what's going with the whole Antonio Brown thing. It doesn't matter that he showed up four hours late. It's the fact that he showed up, spent time with the kids, donated a bunch of money, and whatnot. And that's just, you know, that's the mentality of today. I mean... And hey, I mean, I, I mean I'm not going to be... Um, preachy about him. I mean, I come in you know, pretty much whenever I can and I put my time in. But I don't make a habit of it. I mean, I roll in probably around, I'd say I'd roll in my office front at 8.30 every day. And what's cool about it is, is um, that's because, mainly because I have to drop my kid off at school, but what's cra- good about that is the drop-off time is earlier this year, so I get to go and work a lot earlier. And I love that. Because I get to leave earlier and I get to, you know, not deal with traffic as much. But that's pretty much what we're seeing, guys. You know, it's it's just, it's, what we're seeing here is more of a culture clash. Because we have the old school blue collar types in Pittsburgh, obviously. You show up, you show up on time because the kids always show up on time. And you get the other, all the other culture, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter. Just as long as you, you, know, you put your time in and, you know, the kids are happy and, you know, everybody's happy. And that's really, you know, that's really menta- the mentalities are. Or you just got the, menta- or you just got the group that just hates this group of Steelers so much that they don't care what he, what the hell he does. <laughs> you know, or how much, or how happy everybody was. They hate the guy. They're just pissed off that he's, you know, he showed up late and, you know, people are excusing it. So that's pretty much my general thing. I mean, of course, the whole thing has been spiraling out of control because you had, you know, I had, I had, you know, somebody in my timeline, I guess, you know, Colin Dunlap, obviously he was on my timeline. Of course, people attacked the hell out of him and people have been attacking the hell out of him over a lot, over, over a lot of this stuff. And you hate to see him, you hate to see people throw his daughter into it. You know, and of course, when, you know, of course what they're saying is, well, because you're a media type, you know, you get all these perks. And, you know, sometimes that's just how it is. 
I'm, I'm, I'm sure calling and reach out to these guys and say, hey, you know, my daughter's sick. She really liked to meet Sidney Crosby. She liked to be able to feel with Tallman. I mean, the guys in the media, so they know him. They know who he is. He works with them. I'm sure he obviously has built relationships with these guys over the years. That of course, when this comes about, and they say when they say, "Hey, you know, Colin's Colin's daughter's sick. Let's check on him. Let's see if we can do this for him." I mean, that's that's more. It's not so much a result of being of who Colin is. It's more of who of the relationships he's probably he's most likely built with these guys over the years. Because obviously when you're in the media, one thing you do, and it's not so much me itself, it's it's your, I mean, it could be your own job. It's the relationships you build with people. People, you know, things happen, people will reach out to you. That's how it always goes. I mean, I have people that are, you know, over the years that still reach out to me. Just in general. You know, if I'm looking for, say, if, hey, if you're looking for a job or if you know somebody, how's it going, how's the kids... You have that. But, I mean, I think it's, you know, for Colin, it's more of the relationships he's built over the years with these guys. And so, of course, you know, they're going to offer off this stuff. And, of course, he's going to do it. He's going to take it, for, you know. Why not? And, of course, you know, Colin stated over and over again that he's, you know, he's used his platform to also raise money for cancer, raise awareness, all kind of, you know, I think, actually, actually, I think it's more she has leukemia, but either one, either one, are both, you know, similar, I mean, it, but he's, you know, he's using his, you know, platform for that, to raise awareness for this stuff, and also to raise money, so, I don't know why people are, you know, harping on this guy about it. I mean, do some kids not get the same perks as his daughter has? Sure. But, I mean, they get perks. I mean, they get Make-A-Wish. Of course, you know, they get, you know, they'll have they'll have people visit them at the hospital. And, you know, as long as you make these kids happy, really, it's all matters. So, I mean... Yeah, I can see, you know, the concern here was the whole late thing and with, you know, with what Cullen said is, you know, you reach out to these families and see, you know, if, if anybody was pissed off, you know, and I'm sure some, you know, understood that he's, a, you know, given his, you know, status, he's probably the busy guy and, you know, things happen. But, yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean for me, as long as everybody's happy, it's shit all, it really all matters. But um, at the same time, though, when it comes to like when it comes to lateness, you can't always be late for stuff because I know you guys go through this as well. If you're late for mings and things like that, I mean, you're always going to you end up becoming known as the late guy, the late guy, and you know it's a little different for us. We have we because for us we always have that we have the one person at work. Who is always the late person? The dude rolls in. I mean, I, I mean, what's great about this whole on-call thing is it's app, application-based now. Where you know this, 
the you know the the, uh, the switch flips to the next technic next tech or analyst, you know when that day comes. So I don't have to hand the pager. I don't have a pager anymore. When I get notifications, they all come to my phone. I love it because shit. I don't have to. I don't have to work by handing the pager because what really used to piss me off was the guy I would have to hand the pager to on the day of his on call, his first day. He would always show up at eleven o'clock in it in the morning. He would do it to me every time, and and of course, and people would say, "Yep, that's him. That's what he does. He shows. But he's that's that's how he does it." Yeah. So it's like it's like okay, my time is up. You know what the hell? You're not here yet, and I can't use a pager. And I think towards the end, I kind of just said, "Screw it!" I just threw a pager on his desk and said, "You know what? He can answer the fucking thing." Excuse my language. But anyways, guys. We got over a half hour in. So, anyways, hell to pit. I'll talk to you later this week. Bye.